with us. I want to start this morning by testing your memory. So if this is your first time here with us or you have not been here around for the last few weeks, then you're off the hook um, because there's nothing to test. But um, if you've been around for the last few weeks, then I want to test your memory. So do you think you've got a good memory? No? Nobody thinks they've got a good memory. Okay. This might not go very well. We... <laughs> You know, over, over the last few weeks, we've been focusing on the purpose that we believe that God has for us as a church. And, and as part of that, one of the things that we've done is introduced a new mission statement for the church so that in one simple sentence, we can kind of sum up what it is that we believe that God has called us to and, and we can have an answer. So if anybody asks us a question to say, why is it that you're doing what you're doing as an individual or as in a church, we've got a simple answer that we're able to give them for that. So... What I want to do is see how well you remember it, and if any of you actually know this mission statement that we have. So I'll, I'm going to, why don't you say it together, I'll start you off, and then it's over to you guys, I'm going to be stumped, and we'll, we'll see how you get on. So is everybody ready? Yeah? You've got a good memory? I hope so. Okay, so our mission statement is to see... Very good. Someone's cheating at the back there. Well done, Alan. Okay. I think we can do better, so why don't we do it again, and I'll say it with you this time. So our mission statement is to see God's love transform lives as we follow him. Fantastic. We'll pop it up on the screen, um, and you'll see it there as well. So along with this vision statement, one of the things that we've been doing over the last few weeks is unpacking what each of the different parts of this statement really mean. Uh, And last week, John took the last statement, as we follow him. Um, And he he talked about how the starting point of that is for us to dedicate every part of who we are to God. To give every aspect of our heart and our minds and our beings over to God and commit ourselves to him. And then he put this picture up, if we can move on to the next one. of The warning lights on a car dashboard. And he talks about how as we we follow God, we need to pay attention to the warning lights, to the warning signs. That there are things in our lives that need to be dealt with, that tell us when it is that we're going astray. And that we need to come back to God again and rededicate ourselves again to God. This morning, I want to continue looking at this last part of the statement, as we follow him. And I want to come back again to these idea of the car warning lights Um, But there are three different warning lights that I want to specifically look at that you might see on your dashboard. So if we can go on to the next one. So we've got a warning light for the oil, for the car battery, and for the fuel. Does anyone want to be brave enough to shout out what it is you think these three things have in common? Oil, battery, and fuel. Yeah, what have they got in common? They're all in a car, okay. They they need to, to keep it going, yeah. Energy, yeah? Okay. They all run out. Every single one of them you need to top up in your car and they can all run out. They all need to be recharged or to have a a fresh input of of fuel at the petrol station or a top up of oil as you go along, don't they? A few years ago I had a a car. Um, It was a Volkswagen Polo. Um, it was an estate 
in, um, it was a 1.9 TDI with 130 horsepower. So it might have only been a small car, but it could fair move when I wanted it to. It was a great little car, a lot of fun to drive, um, and a lot of power behind it. But unfortunately, that car also gave me a, a few problems um, along the way and along the time that I owned it. I remember one time um, we needed to go to the recycling center. And I um, asked Evan if he wanted to come along with me. Evan loves diggers and tractors and anything like that. And every time you go to the recycling center, you'll always see one moving around and pushing the rubbish down and things. So I took Evan along with me, and um, off we went to the recycling center. And he gave me a hand carrying all the rubbish through, throwing it into the skips. And uh, and he loved watching um, the digger at work there. Then we got to finish the job. We jumped back in the car. Um, I turned the key. The engine cranks, but we didn't get any further. Nothing happens. We couldn't get home. We couldn't move. So I, I get out of the car. I start going around asking anybody, have you got any jump leads? Nobody has any jump leads. So I, I go and talk to the Circo guys who run the place. They say, well, we'll give you a hand. We'll try and give you a push, but you've got to wait for a little while. Evan's thrilled. He gets to stay there watching the digger. And he, so it's great for him. So he's there happy as Larry. I'm a little bit more frustrated, understandably. A little while later, the Circo guys are free. So they, they come, they give the car a push. I try and get it going, and after a couple of attempts, it, it, it kicks in, and we're able to go home, which was fantastic. I went to get the battery checked out, and I was told, no problems. The battery's absolutely fine. So um, trust that nothing's going to happen again. Carry on. And then a few weeks later, car's parked on the road outside the house. I've got to go to a meeting over in Poole, um, jump in the car, turn the key, engine cranks, nothing happens. Not going anywhere. So I jump out of the car. My neighbor just happens to be coming out of his house. He needs to go to work. But I managed to grab him and say, can you just give me a hand? So it ended up a bigger job than he thought. He, we, we had to turn the car around because it was pointing uphill. There was no chance of us pushing it up the hill. Turn the car around, going downhill, get the car rolling, turn the key, full of hope. It worked last time. Nothing. car's now at the bottom of the hill. There's some guys in a work van behind us who, who look out, take pity, come help us push the car back up the hill, back into the parking space, but I'm going nowhere. So I rang Steve, and, um, and Steve came with his jump leads, helped me get going, and off I went to the meeting. A few weeks later, off on a family trip, we've got it all planned, boys ready, shoes on, coats on, everybody's out the door, jump in the car, turn the key. You know what's going to happen? Nothing happens. We're not going anywhere. This time, John comes along with his jump leads and gets us going, and we're able to, to head off on our journey. Supposedly, the battery's fine, but at this point, I have no confidence at all that my car is going to start when I need it to. So I go off to Halfords, and I buy one of these. And um, I can hook it up with some, my own very own pair of jump leads. I don't need anyone else anymore. It's fantastic. So now I know if I jump in the car and it doesn't start, I can just go in the boot, pull out my power pack, hook it up with the jump leads, and the battery gets a fresh, a fresh bit of juice in it, and it gets going, and off I can go on my journey. Typically, once I bought the power pack, I never had a problem again. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Till the day that we sold it and got rid of it. That whole experience taught me something. You know, my car had a clear purpose. It existed to get me from A to B. And um, I knew exactly how to use it. I knew exactly how to drive it and what it was that I needed to do to make it work. But if that car had no power, it became completely ineffective. 
You know, last week, just seconds before John put the picture up of the, um, of the other car warning lights, Mike Hunkin um, had a picture himself that he felt God gave him. And it was of a car dashboard. But just one light was showing. And it was for the car battery. And he felt God was saying to him that everything drains the battery. And the battery is only recharged by the Holy Spirit. And for me, that was great confirmation because just earlier in that week, John and I had been talking. I've been saying, I really feel God has put it on my heart that we need to to speak about as part of our mission statement, the need for the Holy Spirit. You know, for many of us, I think it can be easy to live life like my old polo. We think we're doing fine. It all seems to be working. We're going along through life. And then suddenly, without even realizing how it's happened we find ourselves in a place where we feel empty. Where we feel flat and ineffective. When we get to that place, we come to God and we cry out. We say, God, I need you. I need refreshing. I need some help. And we get a jump start. God pours out his spirit upon us. He refreshes us and he helps us. And off we go again. And in that moment when God pours out his spirit, we might feel refreshed and we might feel empowered. But if we have not dealt with the root of the problem, all that happens is we start on the cycle again. The battery starts to get drained. Life starts to wear us down. And it might be weeks, it might be months, but at some point down the line, we're back in that place of feeling flat, empty, and ineffective. God's heart isn't for life to be like that for you. Now, if we come back to Isaiah 61, the verses that we feel that God has, has given us as a church, this is how those verses begin. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. God's heart is that we live knowing his spirit on us. Filled with the spirit. Empowered and anointed by the spirit. To fulfill the purpose that God has for us as we follow him every day. You know, if you were to describe where you're at this morning, could you take these verses in the way that Jesus did and declare with confidence, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me, empowered me to follow him. Maybe you don't feel you could quite go that far. You don't feel very empowered today. But you know that God is with you. You know that God loves you. And despite that, you still feel ineffective and you're frustrated. You feel like you lack the power to follow him in the way that your heart longs to. Or maybe this morning, if you're honest, you feel drained and empty. Like the battery's flat, the fuel tank's run out, and you don't even know where God is anymore. It's a struggle for you to even get going. However you are feeling, God's heart is that today and every day, 
you can not only say that you have received Jesus as your Savior, you can not only say that you have been filled with the Spirit in the past, maybe 30 years ago, three years ago, three weeks ago, even three days ago, God's heart is that you can say with confidence, I'm filled with His Spirit right here and right now. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me. That you would know His love and His empowering for life here and now and in every moment. In Ephesians 5 verse 18, Paul writes, Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now when Paul makes that statement, be filled with the Spirit, the tense of the verb that is is used doesn't simply mean to be filled with the Spirit as as a one-off at some point in your life. It doesn't even mean to be filled with the Spirit and then to come back to be filled again in a few months' time. What Paul is saying is that in our lives... We are to go on being filled with the Spirit. That there needs to be a continuous filling of the Spirit that is happening in our lives every day. Paul is writing this to to people who were unsure. If you read around in the context, he's writing this to people who were unsure if they are really capable of following God. They've they've acknowledged Jesus as Saviour. But it requires such a big, huge change in how they live their lives that they're not sure they can follow through. They're not sure if they can do it. And Paul is writing to them and he is saying to them, don't be foolish. Don't look to the things of this world that you used to look to. Don't look for the same ways to fix your problems that you always used to try and fix your problems. Don't go back to the way that you used to do things before you received Jesus as your saviour. Instead, the only way that you will be able to follow Jesus and fulfill his purpose in your life is if you are filled with the Spirit continuously. You go on being filled with the Spirit day after day, moment after moment. You know, we need a constant spiritual life transfusion going on within us. We need God to continuously fill us with his Holy Spirit so that all of the the kind of the worldly heart and the attitude and the desires are slowly washed away from us and flushed out. And in that place, it's God's power, God's love, God's desires, which is poured into us. That's what we, we all really need, isn't it? I know it's what I need. And I'm convinced it's what you need as well. This is what Jesus said in John 14, verses 16 to 17. He said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, Jesus is saying that when I go to heaven, it will be all the better for you. It might be great having me here with you now, but it will be even better for you when I go to heaven. Because I will send the Holy Spirit in my place, and he will be with you always. He promises that the Holy Spirit will be our helper. And I don't often talk about Greek words, but the Greek word here is is one called paraclete. He will be our paraclete. And what that really means is one who comes alongside in order to help. It was used to, to describe a, a small boat, um, and if a, if a ship was approaching a, a rocky shore, a rocky harbor, the boat would go out, and it would come alongside the ship, 
And it would fasten itself alongside the ship and it would guide them in to safety. Through the rocks, in between all the other ships, to safety. Jesus promises that in the Holy Spirit, we have the greatest helper that there has ever been and that there ever will be. One who comes alongside us. Comes alongside us where we're out, out at sea, in the problems that we're facing, to guide us through, to help us, to strengthen us, to enable us to do what it is that he has for us to do. You know, not only is it through being filled with the Spirit that we receive God's strengthening and guidance, but it's through being filled with the Spirit that we really enter into a living relationship with God, that we encounter God and we have a, a real assurance of his love for us like we were singing about earlier. In Romans 5, verse 5, Paul says that God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You know, it's when we're filled with the Spirit that we encounter God's incredible love. Do you know God's love for you this morning? Have you encountered God's love for you in that real and living way? You know, when describing his own experience of being filled with the Spirit, the 19th century preacher Charles Finney wrote this. He said, As I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire. Sounds a pretty normal thing to do, doesn't it? He says, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love. And I do not know, but I should say that I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. It's pretty poetic, isn't it? But it describes a powerful encounter with the love of God. It's not wishy-washy. He wasn't left wondering and doubting. It's a real and powerful encounter with the love of God. You know, God wants each and every one of us to encounter his love. It's not that as Christians we rely on feelings and experiences because feelings are changeable. We rely on the word of God and the finished work of the cross of Christ. But God also wants us to have a very real experience of his love and a very real and personal relationship with him. He doesn't just want us to be people who know about him. He wants us to be people in a living, personal relationship with him through his Holy Spirit. So a key aspect of the work of the Spirit is to come alongside us as our helper, to guide us, to strengthen us, to enable us to follow Jesus. It's also to pour God's love into our hearts, to assure us that we are accepted as his children. Pretty amazing, isn't it? You know, all of that is incredible. All of that is wonderful. All of that is mind-blowing. But you know what? All of that is just a starting point. You know, we talked earlier about how it's God's heart for us to go on being continually filled with the Spirit. But we also said that it's perfectly possible for some of us to feel like this. To feel empty. It's also possible for some of us to feel like this. It's a pretty nice full glass of water, isn't it? 
to feel like we're full, to feel satisfied, to feel content, to feel like we know God's love, we've experienced it, we know his strength. And it might be that you're in that place and you're content in that place simply knowing the work of your spirit in your life and that you feel secure in that. But you know what? God's heart and will for you is that you would be more like this. Let's watch the video because otherwise I'll make a mess and I'll get in trouble. heart for you is that you would be filled to the point of overflowing. Not a filling which periodically runs out like we saw in the video. It's a pretty small jug. But a continuous filling of the spirit to the point of overflowing. I don't know about you but that's a challenge to me. Because I know that all too often I allow myself to be satisfied with a little top up. The battery's been drained a bit. The water's leaked out a bit. And so I come to God and I ask to be filled again with his spirit because I know that I need him. But I allow myself to be satisfied with just a little top up. Just to the place where I feel like God's with me and I know his love for me and I feel secure in my relationship with him. But not so much that I overflow with the life of God. And the reality is that that isn't enough. If I am going to be effective in fulfilling God's purpose for me, as I follow him, then I need to be filled continuously, day after day, moment after moment, to the point of overflowing with the Spirit of God. You know, when we make the decision to, to follow Jesus and to serve him, it is not just about us being forgiven and getting to enjoy the incredible privilege of being in relationship with God. It's not even just about what it is that we are going to do for God. It's about becoming so full of God that he does something through us. It's about becoming so filled with the Spirit that the Spirit overflows through us. And the people around us encounter the love of God that we've experienced for ourselves. That's what we see in Isaiah 61 and Jesus' use of it again in Luke. You know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me and he has anointed me. Not just so that I can feel better. Not just so that I can have a relationship with him. But so that I am empowered and enabled to be a conduit for the life of God to flow out from me and to impact other people. God fills us with his spirit for a purpose, to empower us for service and to empower us for mission. You know, Jesus says in Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now God pours out his spirit on us so that we encounter his love for us and so that we have a a confidence that he is with us 
But the purpose of all of that is so that we feel secure enough to be bold in being witnesses for him. Bold in declaring the truth of who he is so that other people can encounter him for themselves. And that's what we see on the day of Pentecost when the disciples are filled with the Spirit, isn't it? They encounter God and they're filled with his Spirit. And from that encounter, they are filled with this incredible joy, this incredible love for God that that overflows from them and then means they just can't contain it within themselves. And they, they're changed from being these guys who are hidden away in a room, unsure of what to do next, to going out on the streets of Jerusalem, declaring who Jesus is to anyone who's willing to listen. They receive power to be Jesus' witnesses. And suddenly they are transformed so that they can't just stop talking about him at all. You know, when we're filled with the Spirit, The joy of knowing God overflows from our hearts. It transforms us and gives us a boldness to share God with others. I'm not saying in that that you'll never ever be worried again about talking to somebody about Jesus. Because I know that all too often I miss opportunities. I fail to speak up and to share about Jesus with somebody and I kick myself later when the moment's passed. But while I might be a normal person who still sometimes gets scared and worried in in how it is that I'm going to share, I know that the Spirit of God is within me and it's compelling me to share. I can feel it inside of me wanting to come out, wanting to overflow, wanting to share with these people who Jesus is, knowing that they need to hear it. And it's just about whether I'm willing to follow and obey the lead of the Spirit in that moment. And even in that, we can follow the example of the disciples because not long after Pentecost, they're being persecuted by the Jews and and they gather together and they're afraid and they pray together. And what is it they pray for? They say, Jesus, give us more boldness. Give us more boldness so that we can declare who you are, so that we can be your witnesses. Now, if this is an area where you know you struggle, if this is an area that you find difficult and you want to grow and you find it hard to talk to people about Jesus... You can not only ask him to fill fill you with his spirit, you can ask him for boldness. Boldness is available to you. Now, just because you've been scared in the past and you've missed opportunities in the past doesn't mean that you have to give up and say that this isn't for me. It's not my gifting to talk about Jesus with people. No, God is more than able to work in your heart to transform you with his love and to give you boldness to be his witnesses. You know, we believe that that God has promised us that we are going to see 153 big fish. 153 genuine new commitments as the first fruits in this next season of the greater number which are going to come to salvation in the future. You know, but if we're going to see God's love transform lives as we follow him, then we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we have power to be Jesus' witnesses in our communities today. Is that something you want to see? Good, I hope so. Something I'd love to see, but it's only going to happen if you and I allow God to work within our hearts, to fill us continuously with his spirit, not to the point where we're comfortable, not to the point where we're full, and we're secure, and we're content, but to the point where we're overflowing.
overflowing with the love of God, overflowing with the life of God to impact the people around us. Now, you might feel quite happy with how things are right now. And, um, but as people who follow Jesus, we need to know that being filled with the Spirit isn't an optional extra. It's not an added bonus that we can enjoy sometimes and but quite happily live without. In the New Testament, there are about 300 references to the Holy Spirit. And between them, Luke and Paul account for about 200, well, just over 200 of those. And um, let's pretend we can ask Luke and Paul what they think about how important the work of the Holy Spirit is in their life and in mission and see what it is that they might say. So if we asked Luke, I think he'd say something like this. Well, Pete, just hang on a second. Let me take a big breath. If you read through my writings, you'll discover that we were given instructions by the Spirit. We were baptized by the Spirit. We had power when the Spirit came on us. We spoke by the Spirit. We were warned by the Spirit. We were compelled by the Spirit. We were encouraged by the Spirit. We were sent by the Spirit. It seemed good to the Spirit. We kept on preaching by the Spirit. In fact, you'll even discover that without the Spirit, Jesus would never have been born. Do you think the Spirit was important? And I have to say, yes, Luke, I do. And Paul, how about you? Same question. And he'd probably say something like this. I'll definitely have to take a deep breath, but here I go. These are the things I've written, if you could bother to read them. We live according to the Spirit. We have minds controlled by the Spirit. We speak by the Spirit. We have manifestations of the Spirit. The Spirit lives in us. We worship by the Spirit. We put to death misdeeds by the Spirit. The Spirit testifies with our Spirit. We pray in the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. The Spirit intercedes for us. We are taught by the Spirit. We speak by the Spirit. And there I rest my case. Hope you get the idea. No Holy Spirit absolutely no life. No Holy Spirit, absolutely no church. No Holy Spirit, no mission, no passion, no worship, no wonder, no adventure, no new Christians, no power, no excitement, no healings, no prophecy, no joy. You take the Spirit out of the Bible and there is very little of the Bible left. You take the Spirit out of your life And you have very little spiritual life left. Being filled with the Spirit isn't an optional extra. It is absolutely essential to the work of God in your life. To the work of God in this church. And every part of what it means to follow Jesus. And I want to finish this morning by giving an opportunity for each and every person here to be filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. Now Jesus said... If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me, and streams of living water will flow out from them. Now, Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit, this stream of living water, not just for yourself, but to overflow from you to others, is available to everyone with one condition, one criteria, that you're thirsty. Because if you're not thirsty, you're not going to drink. You're not going to receive. You're not going to be open. Not just thirsty for a power encounter with God so that you feel better about yourself. But thirsty for God to work not only in you, but through you. Thirsty to be overflowing with the Spirit so that others can experience God's love and be transformed. And if you're thirsty, there's an opportunity for you to come to Jesus this morning and to drink. It says, if you're thirsty, come to me. And streams of living water will flow out from within you. But I also want you to know and to remember that God's heart is not only that you come to him today and get a jump start. 
but that you come to him moment by moment, day after day, to be continually living life filled with his spirit to the point of overflowing. So let me ask you, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty today for God to fill you to overflowing? Are you thirsty today for God to work through you in increased measure? You know, the right answer is obviously yes. But I'm not interested in the right answer. It needs to be the real answer. The honest answer. Be honest with yourself. Are you thirsty to see God transform your life? For your life to be radically changed so that he can work through you to transform others. Because if you're thirsty, then Jesus is inviting you to come and drink today. And it might be that some of you have never been filled by the Spirit before. And it might be that some of you are here and you've never even heard of the Holy Spirit before. But if you are thirsty, Jesus wants to meet with you this morning. Some of you realize that you've been filled with the Spirit in the past, but you've been living on empty for a long time, just getting by on little top-ups as you come to God in brief times for the occasional jump start. And God's heart for you this morning is if you are thirsty to receive an outpouring of His Spirit, not just to be jump-started, but to be continually filled to the point of overflowing. So what I'm going to do, um, 